It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast. I'm Zach Blackerby. Painter Sharp is of ESPN 106.7 in studio today. Hello, sir. What's up, man? Happy Labor Day to you. And Josh Vitale of the Montgomery Advertiser. How was Texas? It was great. I'm happy to be back. I'm glad you're back too, man. I'm glad you're back too. So what a game. What a game this past Saturday. I mean, really all day Saturday for Auburn, it seemed to be a a huge win. I mean, watching game day, obviously they were at the Auburn-Oregon game. Bo Jackson was there. Tim Cook was there. And then, you know, really a, a full day of kind of disappointing football throughout college football. There was a couple of close games, but none of them really meant anything. And then the headliner, which we all expected. Me personally, I didn't expect for it to be that that much of a blockbuster of a game. I mean, it was a it was an incredible game to watch. Yeah, it's funny. Like the final score, like I I thought Auburn would win. I thought it would be kind of an ugly game, and I thought it would be fairly close. But I didn't think, like for three and a half quarters, Oregon dominated that, or not three and a half, two and a half quarters, Oregon dominated that game. Yeah. And when they scored that touchdown to go up 21-6 in the third, I'm like, oh, this is over. And this is going to – these next two weeks are going to be ugly because Auburn will play, you know, two cupcakes. But people are going to be thinking about this loss and how bad everything looked. Yeah. But then it just – Auburn did that thing they do where, like, it's really not over with this with this, with this, this entire university. Just any game they play, baseball, basketball, football, there's always, like, they might still do this at some point. It's wild how much the win just changes everything about that yes. because people are some, you know, everyone's kind of going, oh, well, it was sloppy. But if you end up not scoring on that last drive or if, or if you know, Anders Carlson, say he, he attempts a field goal and misses it, that game is going to, I mean, there's going to be a, an extreme backlash to not only the loss but how, how they lost. Yeah, that, I think that really cha- I mean, that 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 touchdown changes the entire conversation for Gus Malzahn after Week One and, and Bo Nix. I mean, at halftime, yeah. I was seeing tweets left and right like, "All right, where's Joey? Exactly, I what's saw the Joey Gatewood going to do?" And I'm like, "Really, we're doing this already?" Yeah. And uh, you know, you're exactly right, Painter, because I, I still think the perception is different if they choose to be conservative. You know, maybe they run a play, then they run up and clock it because they're out of timeouts, and they kick a field goal, even if Anders makes it. I still think the conversation is different, but. Mm-hmm. Bo Nix to, to to Seth Williams to wrap up that thing. I mean it, and odd how it does sort of remind you of the the Nix to Sanders. The but plays are like almost identical. It is it's crazy. It is same weird. spot on the field. Same. It's like he area, practiced it growing like, up. It's like he watched oh, that. Man. It's like he watched that Florida game as a kid and and, and mimicked it in the backyard. Yeah. And the 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 Patrick Nix reaction in the stands. Like I mean, obviously everyone goes nuts. And celebrates, but there's a there's a view ESPN shows it afterwards where like everyone's done kind of celebrating, everyone's calmed down. There's Patrick Nix just both hands straight up in the air, still like frozen there. Well, can you imagine one how satisfying it must have been just as a father, but then also knowing in the way that very few fathers could know, having been in his situation and and appreciating the kind of pressure a freshman would have. Oh God, yeah. And it's like, please just win the game. <laughs> please just, do, or at least don't be the one that makes the crucial mistake. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't imagine, you know, none of us are fathers, but just the the pride that you get, one, that your 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 son is a quarterback at a, a power five school and, and one on the biggest stage in college football for that day. But just all the stories that have come out as far as, you know, the, the picture of him standing next to Cam after mm-hmm. the 2010 championship or – 
you know, him growing up and, and watching Auburn quarterbacks, and they'd go in the backyard and recreate the game and reenact it. Just, I mean, it, it's an incredible story, and and I think this this legend of Bo Nix is only going to grow. I mean, Painter and I were talking uh, before you got here, Josh, just about how, I mean, really, all logic points to is he should get better throughout the year. Yeah, and I think. I plan to do this this week is to kind of go back and watch every single throw he made and see because obviously that 13 of 31 doesn't really tell the whole story. There were some throwaways there. Um, But yeah, you you saw the flashes. Like obviously it wasn't a perfect game for Bo Nix. He'll tell you that he only completed, I think, 46% of his passes or whatever the number is. But I mean, that that first ball he completed to Will Hastings where he just dropped it perfectly over to him. Great play. And then the next play, they run up, hurry up to the line, and then he breaks out of the pocket for a 19-yard run. Mm-hmm. Auburn fans have been begging for a dual-threat quarterback. Bo Nix can run, and he proved it last night. I mean, there are really four four incredible throws. I mean, you mentioned the Will Hastings one, and then the one to Joyner. Um, that was a perfect throw. Yeah, the, the wheel route. And then... The back shoulder to Sal Canella mm-hmm. on the sideline that was similar to to the Joiner pass, and then obviously the game winner to Williams. I mean, all four of those were just incredible plays, and, two, and also by the pass catcher as well. Two things I think that will get overlooked, and I think one more so than the other. Obviously, people will remember that fourth down run that he picked up, fourth but, and three. Yeah, but I think a lot of people are going to forget about that third and ten completion to Seth Williams. I thought Williams did a nice job getting open, and then. It was a well-timed ball, and he was able to run right out of bounds and stop the clock. Yeah. I think that there was a lot about that play that showed maturity. He not only found, perhaps, I think to this point, we can say pretty clearly, based on what we saw, the best receiver on the field, an important time. He did it in a way that helped Auburn stop the clock. So I get 13-31, of 31, not pretty. Mm-hmm. He did some things within those numbers, though, that leave you going, okay, good decision maker. One of the things we'd heard in fall camp was sometimes he tried to force things. I think that happened a little bit, especially with one of those turnovers. I think also in a lot of instances, he proved to be more mature than his age with, yeah. with some of his decision-making. And you're, you're going to see that. I think uh, watching Bo Nix run behind the pocket, I mean, I think last year people got fan, people got mad at Jarrett Stidham because when things broke down, he just tried to get out. Just, yeah. And not, not get out and make a play, just get out and get out of trouble. Bo Nix bolts the pocket too, but he's it, it's a little bit like Brett Favre, Baker Mayfield, where he's like, gets out of the pocket, all right, set my feet, what's downfield, what kind of play can I make, what can I do? And I think you'll see like that first pick that he threw towards Seth Williams, who was running to his left and throwing back across his body. I didn't hate it, that play, by the way. No, but I think I think it'll lead to some mistakes like that where he's just trying to maybe do a little bit too much and make tries to say, I, I can fit the ball into that window, yeah. But, 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 but uh, you know, a lot of people were saying that he, you know, he threw behind Williams. You know, when he threw the ball, Williams was standing still. And and I, th- he was that that play. He was open. It was just an off-target throw. I, I think he thought Williams was going to stay still, though, and Williams then ran to the outside to get away yeah. from the defense. So I mean, I, I just think it was kind of a, a miscommunication, and I think that's going to get better throughout the year as well. Yeah, but I think what, I, what my point was, okay. you're you're going to see Bo Nix try, to do try too much. not 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 try to do much too much all the time, but he's going to he's never going to not try to make a play. He's always going if he scrambles with the pocket, it's not to just duck and run and not take a sack. It's going to be to find an open spot in the field, set his feet and see what's out there for him. Um, and there might be some times where he tries to make that throw that, hey, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But it's also going to lead to plays where you're like, man, I can't believe he made that play. That was a heck of a throw. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, and looking at the defense, I mean, not, not only did the offense come on in, in the second half, but the defense was incredible, and, and I think this is my favorite stat from, from Saturday's game. Oregon averaged 7.6 yards per play during its first three possessions, and they averaged 3.1 yards per play during the last 11. I mean, the difference in that is absolutely drastic. Yeah. It, it's weird. The, like the Oregon offense seemed like it kind of went into a shell. Like, it got up big, and it was like, okay, we can kind of, we, we're good from here. Let's not let Auburn's defense beat us. I mean, do y'all think that was just a scripted offense, and they had the first 15, 20 plays scripted, and they were ready to go? I mean, w- w- what do y'all think that was? Talking to some players after the game, they, they made it sound like Oregon came out playing faster than they thought they would, just in terms of their pace and tempo. Mm. And it took them a little bit to get settled, because, I mean, I, we asked Jeremiah Dinson straight up, like, what adjustment did you make? What was the big change? And he goes, Honestly, we didn't make a single change on defense. We just kind of said, all right, let's settle down. Let's simplify a little bit. Let's just not let them do this stuff. And then the defense really went out and dominated the last three quarters. And and even when Oregon was able to move the ball and complete some passes, because I think Herbert had a span where he completed eight straight completions, but they still weren't moving the ball like crazy during that time. But the coverage was was on point. And, and some of those catches by the receivers, I'm like, how in the world did he catch? I, you, you can't get mad if you're pulling for Auburn's defense during some of the, that, that stretch just because the the coverage was on point. It's just the, the ability for them to catch in traffic and the pinpoint accuracy by Herbert was just really, really impressive. Yeah, Justin Herbert is good. Oregon is good. They had some receiver injuries, but that's a, that's a good team. And I think you know, one of the things players talked about going into the game was that having Kevin Steele on the sideline would help them adjust um, in games. And I think during the first quarter, you had people saying, all right, Kevin, um, find the elevator, get upstairs. Let's go back to what we we're doing last year. But it, it really did work. I mean, they figured it out. And D- Jeremiah Dinson, Big Cat, Brian, they both said it like Kevin Steele never got mad. He never got fired up. He never got like, what are you guys doing? He was just very calm the whole game. Yeah. And they just basically said, listen, we we're, know we're good. Um, they threw all their punches early. We can stop them. And they kind of went out and backed it up I thought a couple of things leading up to this game were interesting and I think part of this is a natural progression and also a some reasonable thought by Auburn fans because there is a good roster with experience here but the closer it got to the game the more I felt like Auburn fans confidence really grew and part of that probably is just when you're zero and zero it's easy to feel good about the upcoming season I also think people started underestimating some of what Oregon had and well it's just a it's a decent offensive line that brought back experience it doesn't mean they're great it's a it's a first round quarterback. That's about all they have, and and it I think you saw that in year two under Cristobal that was not the case, and perhaps it wasn't just the speed of the game with with Auburn's defense that where they adjusted. I think Auburn fans had their perception of this Oregon team change. I think that is a really good Oregon team. When you were in Dallas watching it, what did you think based on what you expected to see out of Oregon and how good they were? Were you surprised at all? I don't think I was surprised that the score was about what I expected, as you mentioned. I definitely thought it would be sloppy. Um, but for whatever reason, I got the sense that Auburn fans were underestimating some of what Oregon could do. Yeah, and I, I think I mean I, I picked Auburn to win this game, and I thought they would win. And I think I don't think that's a knock on Oregon. I part of the reason I picked Auburn was I just think that Auburn is a more talented team, and I think most SEC teams are more talented than most Pac-12 teams. And I think Oregon will go back to the Pac-12 and have a really good season. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're going to they could win it. They could win the Pac-12. They're yeah. definitely going to compete for that title. Um, they're going to have a real shot to do that. But I just think 
you put Oregon in the SEC, they're probably you know, an eight win team, aren't they? Yeah, Maybe they're, nine they're, win? yeah, but put them in the Pac twelve. That 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 team could very easily go eleven and one, ten and two. I think that, we could playing all... in that playing in that conference. Um, just that's that's just different football there. Um, that's a good Oregon team though. I think and Gus Malzahn said it. Player said it. That's a good team. They're going to win games this year. It just Auburn is a to me looking at the roster top to bottom. Auburn is a more talented team than Oregon. And shouldn't Auburn fans feel encouraged that Bo Nix was thirteen of thirty one and they still won the game? That yeah. because the, the team can get better and it's like that wasn't the best performance he'll ever. Yeah, have. like yeah. Is that the floor right there. Maybe. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, Painter, and I, it makes a ton of sense. Um, whether Auburn wins, wins that game or not, whether Anders Carlson misses a field goal or they don't that throw goods, mm-hmm. pick, I don't know. Whatever happens, if Auburn loses that game 21-20, the corrections are the same. You still have to do the same thing. You have to uh, get the run game going earlier. You have to have Bo Nix be a little more accurate. You have to have the defense not start that way. You have to, you know, guess what I mentioned, penalties last night. Punt coverage was really bad. Um, a lot of these things have to change. And they were going to have to change regardless and get better. But because Auburn's doing it on, off a win like that in that kind of fashion, you're like, whatever, man. We're having, we're, we feel good. Let's just do these things. We have two lane, Kent State. Fine. If Auburn had lost, you're doing the same things. But it's like, man, we're 0-1. Like, mm-hmm. it sucks. That was a tough loss. Like, so it, it – that, yeah, it, the, the feeling around the program is going to be so much better this next week than it, than it could have been. Um, it's easier to go to practice – after a, after a win than after a loss. It's easier to correct. Yeah, it's easier to correct after when it is to man. Like man, we should we really blew it. So who were some guys that really stood out to you guys on Saturday night? I've got I've got a few guys right here. Christian Tut I thought was incredible. I was skeptical about his ability to play in the middle of the field. I thought he was a big reason why Auburn was able to win. KJ Britt was incredible. I, I don't think there was really any drop off at the linebacker position on the field anyway. Tyron Truesdale, I'm not convinced Auburn wins due to the short yardage situation if he doesn't play. I thought he was outstanding at the defensive tackle spot. And then an offensive guy, Spencer Nye, mm-hmm. really blew me away. I mean, he was extremely consistent blocking. He did his job. He, he also got him a catch in there. But I thought Spencer Nye was incredible. When I was doing my uh, my Twitter GIF thread yesterday, I mean, every time Auburn did something on offense, it seemed like Spencer and I was doing the dirty work. I was so impressed with him. Yeah, and it's funny. I think we all, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely part of this. When we were thinking H-back tight end, it was all like, well, it's J.J. Wilson versus John Samuel Sankert. And they, they both played, and they were both part of it. But yeah. Larry Porter, when he, when he spoke during assistant day, he was like, yeah, when we need a run blocker, like Spencer and I is the hammer. That's what we're calling him. He's the guy that he's going to go in there in the middle and do the dirty work. I think you saw that when, you know, if Auburn needs, like when that last drive, they had John Samuel Shanker in there and he was yeah. the guy doing the H-back tight end, kind of being a receiving threat slash blocker. When they need to when they need to run the ball and they need to block for the run, Spencer Knight's going to be in there because he's that guy who's going to go in there and going to hit somebody. And they, they used them when, when Bo Nix was rolling out mm-hmm. as far as, you know, him peeling back and getting protection for Bo. I mean, I was so impressed with, with Spencer Knight. <laughs> the people I, were watch, I was watching the game with, they, they were, they got it. So tired of me saying, like, guys, look at number 99. Look at number 99 on this replay. And I'm like, okay. All right. Well, I'm like, that's hard to do. That's yes. tough to do. And, you know, you lose a veteran guy like Chandler Cox. And I don't think there's really any drop off of that spot. But what about you guys? I know I kind of took the obvious ones away. Are there any other guys that you would add to that list that impressed you Saturday? Neither of them statistically were dominant. But, of course, and we've talked about them all offseason, Seth Williams came up big when they needed him. He had 41 yards receiving on four catches. That's not outstanding but what I think was important was when he was needed both on a third down and of course on the obvious touchdown catch he could not be stopped I would add Will Hastings to that simply because you saw a flash of his value Mm -hmm. even though it only culminated in one reception 
that that to me is valuable. I don't think he has a ton of receptions at the end of the year, but what he can do and what he can do for Bo Nix by getting open will always be valuable to this offense. Colonel Steve nominated a new uh, a new nickname, and I and, and I tagged you in it, Painter. What are your thoughts on Seth Game Winner Williams? It was a good start for him. I mean, he's the the A and M game last year, yeah, uh, and then uh, th- this season uh, I had I mean I talked about him ad nauseum. Well, I mean, all, all off season. So you're the president of his fan club. So I I think you've got to kind of put the stamp on it if that's his nickname or not. Or we got to wait and see. Let's wait and see. But okay. I don't. It's a it's off to a good start as a true freshman. If you have a game winner, start your uh, your sophomore season it's with another start. game winner. Absolutely, it makes sense. What about you, Josh? Any other guys that we haven't mentioned? We've we've kind of taken all the obvious ones. Yeah, I've got a couple um, okay. outside of those. Uh, Eli Stove was really impressive. Sure, yeah. um, they Auburn missed that kind of playmaker in this offense. It's a guy who can run the ball in the jet sweep and be a receiver. His touchdown catch. Did, did you guys get any um, confirmation on if that was called or if Bo just saw the corner running over there? I'm not sure exactly what, but I think, I mean, yeah, that, that was just a play where Oregon was lined up wrong. It looked like it was a run play. And, I, I, and I really think it. Bo just was you aware have, yeah. and, and had a mismatch mm-hmm. or at least a play at because Booby was going up, you know, acting yeah. like he was about to receive a handoff. That, I mean, the, that could have been an RPO. Yeah. Um, maybe so. Yeah, Eli, yeah, yeah. No one covered Eli stove. And um, so I thought he had a great game. Um, I think we left off one. That's pretty, at least statistically impressive. I had, I had three in my old well, Booby. Um, sure. Great game. Sure. I had three in my head and I forgot the second one. Um, There's a defensive player. And I don't know if he got mentioned. Oh, death. That was, Jeremiah Denson. I think he had 13 tackles to yes, end the game. He yes. was everywhere. They kind of they moved. He was like, I mean, he was a safety playing linebacker by the end of the game, and yeah. he was everywhere. And this one, you didn't hear his name at all, which is why he was impressive. Noah Ibnagani, who I don't remember seeing him or hearing his name or thinking about him. He didn't. He played every single snap in the game. Never left the field. Barely heard his name. That's number one cornerback. If you don't hear his name the whole game, you know he played well. You yeah, know he played well. You want that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think he had a penalty on a special teams play. He did have. I think it was a block in the back. Yeah, which was a, that was the questionable block in the back mm-hmm. where he kind of fell and the gunner kind of fell right. and it was blocked in the but, back. But, but that, that's the only time I heard his name. You're, yeah, you're, as far as defense, right. yeah, I never heard his name. Which is again number one cornerback. If you don't hear about it, if you don't hear about his play, that means he played well. Yeah, you take that every day of the week. Absolutely. No House Advantage is taking an exciting new spin on daily fantasy sports. Instead of salary cap drafting, No House Advantage offers daily player prop contest. Download No House Advantage now from the App Store and use the code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, to receive two free tokens when you purchase two tokens. That's a $10 value. That's code Locked On to receive two free tokens when you purchase two. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. If your company is interested in advertising and marketing to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Auburn is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to advertise to male listeners between 18 and 44, this is your chance. Plus, our rates are pretty reasonable. Email me at LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com to get more information. I look forward to hearing from you. So Malzahn spoke to the media last night, and it seems like uh, the, the biggest thing coming out of that was an injury update. And 
guys, update me if I, if I don't touch on all of this. But Will Hastings, as we've talked about a lot on the podcast already, it sounds like he hurt, got hurt on his big catch that kind of uh, have impressed a lot of people. Uh, Tadari Moultrie banged up his hand. Is that right? He's, just, a, he's dealing with something. It's like we, a, we, were, we, we don't know what it is. It was undisclosed as of okay. last night. But it sounds pretty minor, right? Yeah, they were not worried about it. He only played a couple. I think he only played three snaps in the game just because I don't think he was quite 100%. Yeah, we can uh, we can expect more of Anthony Schwartz, um, which I heard Painter do his local minute. I didn't realize Schwartz played, but he apparently did play He one. did play. Um, okay. It was mostly Zeke. That. I mean, I, I, watching him pregame, um, he was out there with the receivers, but he didn't run. He didn't catch the football. I mean, mm-hmm. they were playing catch before the game, and he was like left hand out in the air, like catching it with one hand and throwing it back. So I don't. I don't think he's ready to catch a football yet. I could see him just doing like 100-meter sprints for warm-ups because yeah. that's his thing. Yeah. I mean, I think with Schwartz, I mean, especially now that they're done with Oregon, there's really no reason to rush him back. If you don't think his hand is ready to catch football, he shouldn't catch a football because, again, Auburn plays two lanes Save and for A&M. the next two Absolutely. weeks. Yeah, exactly. I was surprised that, you know, I got the idea of putting him out there as a decoy, but I was just surprised when the reports came out that he was going to dress because yeah. I, I thought, all right, he'll play against A&M. I, I think Auburn really just dressed. They dress everybody. Right. And, and on top of that, I, you know, it would be nice for him, I think, from a rep standpoint to play either the Tulane or Kent State game, but it almost... If he can't catch a football, don't put him on the field. Yeah, it's, and if, it's and if, fine. And if, there, if there's a risk to that, someone will have a helmet hit his hand and I'll take the trade off over. Yeah. yeah. I'll take the trade off of if you're a coach of him being a little rusty in the A&M game, mm-hmm. he's so fast and so athletic. Yeah. It'll, it'll make up for itself. What play was he in on? Did anything big happen on that play? No, I think, and you know, talking to, to SID Kirk Sampson last night, might, might've been one of the players where like they went out lined up or there was a timeout or there was a, a, a penalty false start and he kind of came off, but he like technically he was on the field and they, they, they weren't sure. I don't, I don't think he, did much and sure one more injury update that you're probably on that list but daquan newkirk mm-hmm. um i was shocked to see daquan we were all shocked to see daquan newkirk hey towards achilles like five minutes ago that was either yeah. the best kept secret or i, like, I don't well, know well the, la- the last time we saw him in practice which was early august um he wasn't even stretching with the team he wasn't in uniform when he was running across the end zone and i'm like this dude is not going to play for a couple of months um gus malzahn was like the last word was Man, I hope we get him back before the end of the season. And then week one, he's healthy enough to get reps. And Rodney Garner likes Daquan Newkirk a lot in that mm-hmm. defensive tackle spot. Um, he sounded like a player that if he was healthy, he would have been expected to be the dude that replaces Dontavious Russell. So if he can be get healthy and become a bigger part of the rotation, now you're talking about Truesdell, who, like you said, Zach played really well. I thought he was incredible, Josh. I and really did. Add Newkirk to that, and then obviously the versatile Nick Cove. That's you start to really like what Auburn has in that second DT spot if those three guys are there. And then Jordan Peters is cleared now. Yes. Yeah, I think he played a little bit the mm-hmm. other night. Yeah. Um, that's just more depth in the secondary. He's not, you know, he's that he's not really a... He can play a in dime key. or something like that. Yeah, but he, you know, he plays some nickel. He plays, he can play a little bit of safety. He's just a mm-hmm. good, a good veteran, versatile, you know, reserve to have, which you can't have, you can't have enough depth on a defense, so. So there, there's two, there's two players that, that I want to talk about as far as them being in their positions. And, uh... One is Sal Canella playing a lot more than I expected him to, and you know, with the injury situation, it, it kind of makes sense. But do you do you expect him to have that size of a role throughout the season? I think during preseason camp, he was a guy who was consistently with the starters. Um, I think you'll see him play on the field a lot. The question is, will he have more of an impact on the offense than he has in years past? I mean, two years ago, he had three catches. Last year, twelve. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what that role on the field means in terms of his production. Um, but I mean, 
Auburn likes having him out there. I think he blocks pretty well on the on the exterior, uh, having that tight end experience before coming here. So, again, I don't know if it means he'll be a receiver more, but Auburn obviously try, likes him and trusts him enough that he's on the field for a lot of snaps. I mean, he's got the body you want for a big pass yeah. catcher. And he looked good, on, like you said, in some of those back shoulder throws down the sideline. There was the one the one that was picked off, which is an underthrown football. That was really not anything he could have done about that. But he made some good catches on the sideline. Can I reverse course just for a minute? Because you sure. guys were talking about defensive line a moment ago. Thoughts on Derek Brown, Nick Coe, Marlon Davidson's performance? Because a huge part of the conversation for the last eight months is how dominant this group has been. I think all, that Oregon's offensive line proved that they will probably be one of the best in the country because um, those guys, I think, played well. But I don't think that they were as dominant as some people expected. Statistically, they were all quiet. The second half, though, Derek Brown was... He was a problem for Oregon. He was a problem. He didn't. He didn't. It didn't become any sacks or tackles for loss. But he. I mean, he helped make other players better for sure. And he. Yeah, he made some of Oregon's offensive linemen just. I mean, they were retreating before the snap, just waiting for because he. he, Derek Brown is a man. Uh, And I'm glad you asked that because my other point that I want to talk about, Nick Coe at defensive tackle. Let's don't do that anymore. I think I think it's one of those things that it's not it's not an early down thing. I think it's yeah. got to be a if it's third and ten, yeah, Nick Coke played but, defensive tackle, and, and he started there though. I was yeah, really surprised that was he interesting. started there. That was interesting. I I I I thought going in that it was going to be Truesdale was going to be the guy on early downs on right. rundowns, and then it would be all right. It's it's third and it's third and ten. Let's put Big Cat at Buck. Move you know Nick Coe to tackle with Derek Brown, and now you have a a a true pass rusher at defensive tackle. Um, I was a little bit surprised to see him play so many rundowns, like you said. Have you guys seen any uh, crazy overreactions yet? The biggest overreactions that I got were during the game, because oh I did God, after yeah. the game with Dan Peck at Skybar Cafe. How'd that go? Well, uh, as you guys mentioned, a lot of people were talking about Bo Nix, and he only got this job because of his daddy. And it was like, so it's the second quarter. He's 19. <laughs> it's his first game. And then at the end of the game, I wanted to look at those people and go, how do you feel now? Because it should get better. The stat line, again, not impressive, but he took what Oregon gave him. He had arguably the biggest play of the game, certainly one of them, at yeah. least. It will be the play we remember, even yes. though there were a lot of other plays that led up to that moment. And on the defensive side of the ball, I might add, that will be totally forgotten. Uh, but but yeah, I think, how about giving him one full game before you decide the hype is over? Yeah, the the shift in narrative was crazy. Yeah, I mean, so fast, I think so pe- fast. I think people forget that like first games are usually bad. Jalen hurts for a lot of teams. That was sure. weird that he that, looked that good in game one with a new team. Yes, that's that, unusual. That's the anomaly that a, a team that looks that perfect immediately. Because even Alabama playing Duke, which not a good football team, didn't score a touchdown until the second quarter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Auburn's game was definitely not perfect. Bo Nix was definitely not perfect, but. I, people who are like middle of the second quarter, like, oh, this season's done. Gus is done. Let's 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 fix this problem now. It's like let's give the team four full quarters to to see what they are before we we kill them. I've got two overreactions for you guys. Okay, I think KJ Britt will be a better linebacker on the field this year than Deshaun Davis, mm-hmm. and then I think uh, Spencer Nye is better than Chandler Cox. That could be fair. I mean, I don't know about KJ. I mean, I think KJ going into the season is a more physically talented linebacker than Deshaun Davis and yeah. I think and I specified on the field yeah because because what Davis offered off the field I don't think anyone can do that and what 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 the the hardest thing to measure up to in terms of Deshaun Davis is not his physical play and his 
statistical production. It's the way he was able to be a defensive coordinator in the mm-hmm. middle of the field. He was the guy that teammates say he would call out a play before, before Kevin Steele could call out the play because he knew what was coming. He knew what the fix was. That was always going to be the hardest thing. But as far as just physical talent, I mean, K.J. Britt was always going to be a dude this year. He proved it last night. And I, I tweeted this I tweeted this yesterday. I think he'll by the end of the season, he'll be one of Auburn fans' favorite players. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I saw that tweet, and I agree with you 100%. Josh, where, where can people find your stuff, bud? Like, follow me on Twitter at Josh Vitale and read my stories online at MontgomeryAdvertiser.com. Painter? I'm at Paint Sharpless. Please listen to The Lunch Break from 11 to 1 on ESPN 106.7, Justin Ferguson and me. If you're listening to this on Monday, Josh Vitale also joins us for that show. So we would love to have more ears talking and listening Auburn football. It's going to be a fun season. Um, and that was what a what a way to start the week. You're right about or, that. Or, or the year, excuse me. You're right about that. You can follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.